0: hey lovelies before we get started two quick notes the pre-order for my newest design the mod dress is open now i've always wanted a collar dress that didn't feel too preppy and a boxy dress that didn't make me feel like an actual box the mod dress is my way of putting all that together and embracing that 60s mod vibe without all the flower power prints it features a tweed plaid that of course is perfectly matched at every seam and a fringe trim custom made from the fabric utilized at the collar and in a universally flattering drop waist belt the mod dress goes from work to dinner to party without absolutely no effort at all. The pre-order is open now and will close early Wednesday morning, November 16th. I've put the link in the show notes. It's also front and center on impactfashionnyc.com. If that link still works or you still see the Mod Dress online, then you can still pre-order. Pre-ordering guarantees you get the size and color you want and allows you to shop stress-free without any launch day jitters. I have super limited space. My stock room is not that big, so when inventory does come in, quantities will be limited, so I highly recommend that you pre-order. The pre-orders are guaranteed to ship by December 19th. Pre-order the mod dress and learn more by going to Impact Fashion NYC. Dot com. The second note is that this episode is the second in a four-part series on breast cancer in the Jewish community. You don't need to listen to the episodes in order, but if you missed last week's conversation with Natalie Herschel, I highly recommend going back once you've finished this episode. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki it's good, and on today's show I talk with someone with a strong family history of cancer about her story. She shares what her testing process was like, goes in depth on the details of her surgery and her thoughts now decades after she made this decision. Greenfield is not only a real open book about her story, she's also very frank about the risks and reward that came along with it. As someone with a strong family history of breast cancer, the emotions involved in her story are complex, and I'm honored that she decided to share them with me.
1: I was, I had two little brothers and they had the coolest toys in the world, and my mom would still dress me in pink lace if she could. <laughs> so, I was told to zig and I zagged every time. Nothing's changed.
0: <laughs> I love that way of summarizing a childhood. I know it's such a hard question to answer. Like when I ask it to people, it's part of why I ask it. But that's such a wonderful way of 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 summarizing that. When you when you like what what are some ways that you were told to zig and you zagged? as like, as a kid and growing up.
1: Oh my gosh. I guess like a really great way to like define my entire childhood. My mom always wanted the little girl who was like the stereotypical girl who like cling to mommy and who did all the Barbies and everything else. And you know, when parents chaperone events like school events and everything, there's kids who like won't leave mommy's side. And there's other ones who's like, bye friend. Right. I was, I was the, I, would jump into whatever. I had no worries. <laughs> See urge. you later. Yep.
0: Yeah, I I was I was exactly the same way actually. Yeah, I I totally hear it. Uh, we actually, it's funny. I was about to say that we got connected when I started, you know, asking for people who would, you know, who would want to talk about their experience with breast cancer. But that's not true. You and I got connected, um, when I when I was a little baby designer. I think that when you came, I think you, you were one of the first people who reached out to me actually saying that you wanted to. Um, you know, come to the studio and try on my clothes. And that was, I mean, I don't even let people do that anymore, you know, just randomly because it just would be too overwhelming. Um, And that was, I want to say maybe five years ago.
1: I I, I was already in Toronto. Okay. I already lived in Toronto at the time. I was home. And when someone says New York, I don't, I assume Manhattan. And I was so excited that you were in the neighborhood right um so i think it was like through it was probably like a year before covid
0: it- yeah that that feels right yeah like 2019 maybe yeah. like end of 2018 even so we had a chance to like hang out and you know you got to try and of my like clothes and, and everything and that that was really fun to do um and now we've we've like reconnected. We've it's it's been rekindled, um, and that is because I really wanted to do this series on breast cancer and on different women's experiences with breast cancer. And you raised your hand, so I would love. I'm, I'm just going to turn the table over to you. Uh, how does how does your story start, Shayna? like was this something that you had in your family? Was this something that you were around talking about? So me through
1: it. I'll go back really quickly to what I was like as a child. Friday night dinner at my grandparents were bored. We run away from the table and we're looking at pictures of my Bobby's wedding, my grandmother's wedding. And there's a little boy with really big ears. My dad had like adult size ears as a little kid. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They're now very proportional. I love you, dad, if you're listening. (laughs) But I'm like, it was even to like eight year old me. I was like, that's my dad. And I, my mind was blown. I'm like, you were at your parents wedding like that was frowned upon back then. And that's when I found out that, in fact, my dad's biological mother had died of breast cancer when he was very, very little. And my grandfather remarried when he was seven or eight years old. It was that much of a non-issue growing up. I still am always awkward when I'm referring to her because she's not my grandma. She's not my Bobby. Right. Like She's my dad's biological mother. Right. And my dad refers to my dad refers to my Bobby as mom. So he calls her by her first name. So like, I never really know like how to refer to Ruthie, but she died of breast cancer when my dad was very, very tiny. She was 28 years old Uh... and her mother died of breast cancer. (sighs) Originally I was told she died of breast cancer. Now they say, it might have been something else and she just had breast cancer, but it but like it's a thing in our family. What so, do
0: you mean that like she, she might have had something else and she just had she, like it started she, somewhere else and spread?
1: Or this was many, many years ago. Right. So the medicine wasn't what it was, but it could have been that she was diagnosed with breast cancer but already sick with something else or she could have possibly had breast cancer and been in remission and died of something. I'm not sure what the actual- So like we're talking about
0: like your great-grandmother. So this is easily like the early 1900s that we're talking about. Got it. Okay. So yeah, I hear that. That's, yeah, not a great time to be getting any form of any sickness to be perfectly honest.
1: My dad's in his 60s. So his mother would have been in her- eighties or nineties now. So it would have been her mother.
0: Got it. Okay. So a very long time ago, so they don't really know what, what, like they couldn't exactly pin it down, but you knew that there was this but really I know strong family fact, history. I
1: could I could tell you to the day my, when my grandmother, when my grandmother died of breast cancer at 28 years old. So I, in my early twenties mentions my doctor casually, by the way, when should a woman start getting checked for breast cancer? And the doctor laughed at me and was like, oh, you're way too young. A woman should start at age 50 unless it's in the family. And then about 10 years before the average onset. And I'm like, oh, well, then I'm actually too late.
0: Right. So, so the, what you just said, like this average onset, meaning you knew that you had a a family history of someone getting sick at 28. So you should have started it at like 18.
1: Apparently. Oops so he's like i'm gonna refer you and this was in winnipeg manitoba canada so i don't know how other places work i don't even know if here in ontario i live in toronto now that it works the same in ontario it's a completely different province but they referred me to they told me they were going to refer me to get what i thought at the time was a mammogram that's not what happened Time goes by six months, eight months. I kind of forget about it. It's been almost a year. And I call my doctor and I'm like, I'm super confused. I thought you were referring me. And he goes, oh yeah, I referred you to the the breast cancer center, the breast health center whatever else. And they're going to get back to you. Turns out he referred me to the hereditary breast cancer clinic that was very, very backed up. And they called me back a year and a half later. Wow. And they said, we need to, te- we-, we won't test you. This was apparently for genetic testing. I didn't even know I was getting involved in this, but they're like, we test the person who had breast cancer. So I'm pretty blunt and have a sixth sense of humor. And I'm like, well, then you better get a shovel because that's <laughs> the only way it's going to happen. <laughs> Silence on the other end of the line. Oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> And I'm like, it, it involves digging up. Like, there's no one. So they wouldn't even test me at that point. They said, we will test your father. So I had to go to my dad and be like, so dad, I kind of accidentally started something. I didn't know I was starting. And here's the story. So my dad was absolutely game for being tested. And we went together. And the way it worked was before they'll give you the genetic testing, you have to sit through like an hour long um, counseling session where they go through what BRCA1 and what BRCA2 are, which are the two main genetic um, markers that cause breast cancer that have been found, and what groups of people are at highest risk. I think Icelandic was one of them, but Ashkenazi Jews were like the number one, We're 10 times more likely to have breast cancer in our lifetimes than the general public. So after this testing, they're like, do you still wanna get tested? We just sat through this for an hour, we've earned it. Like we're getting. (laughs) Right. So they tested my dad and it was sent to Minneapolis, I think at the time, somewhere in Minnesota to get the testing and then they call you back. So like five months later, they call us back again and we have to sit through the same hour long counseling again. Are you sure you want to get tested? Are you sure you want to hear your results? Yes. So my dad's positive for the BRCA I'm, in, I'm 23 or 24 at the time. Great, now they will test me if I want. My dad did not want me to get tested. He was very, very adamant I don't get tested. I had I just moved back from New York. I would lived there for three years. He knew that's where I eventually wanted to be. And he thought if I tested positive, that any kind of health insurance, life insurance, anything like that down the road would be really, really bad.
0: This is actually not a, this is, this is a very smart line of thinking. I have like, this is, you said you're in your forties now. This was 20 years ago. So this is pre-ACA, um, pre, pre-Obamacare. Absolutely. And you very well could have been turned down for everything.
1: Um, Um, Obamacare, the ACA is still so political. And so I don't assume, even if it's here today, I don't assume it'll be here tomorrow. Right. All it takes is a different party who can get a little more done than the last time they had a, whatever else, and it could be gone. Right. So,
0: yeah, but before, I mean, one of the like huge, um, and whatever the political discussion is separate, but the the fact that cannot be disputed is that one of the really really great things that Obamacare did is that it made it um, illegal for insurance companies to, um, to pre existing
1: conditions. Exactly to
0: refuse to cover someone with pre existing condition, and if you had tested positive, that's like that's the mother of all pre existing conditions. Hundred
1: thousand percent, and not only that, but even. I mean, and I'm outside the U.S., so we like to mock your healthcare system. It's kind of international we sport. We earn it. Um, I can't imagine not being able to afford a medical anything I need because it's not something I ever have to conceive of right. as my reality. But even here in Canada, life insurance is an issue. Right. I will have. I have much higher rates now because I know I have it.
0: Fast right. forward. I did. Spoiler mention- alert. Right. So your dad wait, did not wait. want you to get tested.
1: So um, I didn't. He his his thing was act as if you have it. Go on the assumption you have it. Do the things you would do knowing you have it, and don't get tested. That was so not my. That's not the way I roll. I want to know exact anything and everything I could know when I can the minute I can preferably 10 minutes before I could Mm -hmm. but as much as my parents like to say that I don't like to listen to them and I don't like to I really am not going to do something my dad specifically tells me not to do so I did not do it um two or three years go by and I started having some medical issues that needed treatment. They found out my hormones were way out of balance and they wanted to treat me with hormones. Mm. I said to the doctor, look, there's a 50-50 chance that I have BRCA1. Now, the best course of treatment, if I have BRCA1, is extremely dangerous. Uh, So if I have BRCA1, they would treat me with option B, which would not be as efficient.
0: So the, the, when you say the best course of treatment, you mean for the other medical issues that you were dealing with
1: for my to, to keep my got taking it. For the hormones when you have brca one increases your risk even further. Got it.
0: So you so you needed to you you. It sounds like you got to a point where you needed so it was to at know. At the point
1: where for me to make the best medical decision I could make in the time I needed to know. So I got tested. Now. I had to go back through the whole one hour counseling session. My dad came with me again. We sat through the whole one hour thing again. And guess what? I have the BRCA1 gene. Now, what I did not know at the time, and had I known my decision would probably been very different. I probably would have been tested immediately. Is that at least in Manitoba.
0: What is Manitoba? Is that a place?
1: Manitoba is the province. So, like you live in New York state. Okay. I live in Manitoba. The U S has 50 states. Canada has 10 provinces.
0: Got it. Okay. Manitoba so, is a, also a fun, funny sounding word. So there
1: it's a funny sound. It's a funny place too. I don't recommend, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah. So once I tested positive um, they, you get tested. They were testing you once a year within. MRI and once a year with a mammogram but staggering them so you're being tested every 6 months.
0: Okay, that makes sense to me.
1: So it was preemptive but they were testing you every 6 months. And I would go and get my mammogram which by the way every I was terrified. Everyone tells me tells you it's the most painful thing in the world. They, they give you like there's the horror stories. Like I was so scared to go get a mammogram for the first time, and I went in and I said to her, and she got she was like so. First, she's like everybody comes in and says that. She's like I don't know why everyone says that. She's like it's not comfortable, but it's not painful. Like it, it's really not for everybody <laughs> afraid to get a mammogram. It's really not the worst thing in the world. But the first time I went in to get a mammogram, they found something inconclusive. Apparently, don't wear a lot of deodorant when you go in to get your mammogram, the deodorant can cause funny things to turn up. So I had to go back. Like the deodorant shows
0: up on the mammogram?
1: Yeah. Something about the way it.
0: That's actually a fun fact. I didn't know. Go figure. Yeah.
1: So they called me and they're like, we found something. We need you to come back. So I'm panicked. I'm hysterical. I go back. It was nothing. Fast forward six months, have an MRI was inconclusive. Something they found was inconclusive. I panicked. I went back. It was nothing. And this happened like every 6 months. For probably started at about 25, 26. By the time I was 29, I was like I'm done. I've had it. I was a 34G. I'd always wanted a reduction. I'm like I am getting a I'm getting both my boobs removed. And I'm gonna consider it a twisted way to get a reduction, and I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. Honestly, I kind of like it. <laughs> you know what? I figured it was probably not a matter of if, but when. Right. So Angelina did it a few years later because she had, and like then it was like I made I made the Angelina Jolie decision before she made it. Right. But because it was an elective surgery, it was definitely not required. It was definitely not medically necessary. My surgery was scheduled for like 14 months away. Okay. Now there are people who are listening who are gonna who, the healthcare system, oh my gosh, it was 14 months away, but it was it was a completely elective procedure.
0: Right. Like there and was no reason you were not sick, you were feeling I was totally not sick. fine. I
1: had no reason to get it other than
0: preventing possible future illness.
1: So I had it scheduled, but in the meantime, I was still getting tested. So I go four months later, I think it was for an MRI and they found something and they're like, it's inconclusive. You have to come back. And for the first time in my life, I did not panic because I already had it scheduled. It's going to be nothing. It's always nothing. I get a call to come in and see my doctor the next day. They found something it was super, super tiny. It was basically non-existent. It was so, my surgery was scheduled for I think seven or eight months away, but they said, it's not going to, like, you've got tons of time before it's an issue. We're going to keep an eye on it, but we're not going to move your surgery. So you're going to come back in six weeks for another MRI. Did not tell my parents this. I did not want to worry my parents. I think my dad felt a lot of guilt because I got the gene from him.
0: Right. And
1: he made he's made a lot of jokes about it, but I don't think they're really jokes. Mm-hmm. But what's the option? Not have me like
0: right. No, it's also you're also talking about a time before like now there are options. You know, if you know that you are a strong carrier for the BRCA gene, you can um, you can do IVF with pregenetic testing. There are there are options that you can do to prevent passing on the gene. 40 years ago you didn't have those options it wasn't yeah. you know and also they didn't even know that they had the gene 40 like they didn't know that there was a gene
1: yeah no no about. so i i didn't want to tell my parents i'm my parents and my mom would get hysterical and freak out and it wasn't something i wanted her to later find out my dad was keeping from her because that's what would happen is i tell my dad and we just wouldn't tell my mom but that was like so i kept it to myself and i go back six weeks later and I get a phone call at work the next day, and they're and it was I think a Friday morning or a Thursday morning, and they're like, "So it's doubled in size, Ooh. and which in six weeks is like not normal." And they're like, "You're going in for surgery on Monday." Wow. So I called my dad, and I'm like, "So there was a cancellation, and they can get me in earlier, so I'm going in earlier."
0: That's really what you said.
1: That's really what I said. Wow. I think it was a year later before I told him they'd actually found something.
0: Wow. That takes balls. I gotta say, like, there's... I, I understand why you made that decision. I totally get it. And also, that's a really hard decision to make because that meant that you were the only one who knew that there was something cancerous there.
1: At the point, they didn't know it was cancerous at this point.
0: Oh, okay. Solid at, point. At this
1: point, we just knew there was a mask. And... I knew what the surgery was. I knew the doctor I was having. And I had a procedure that was actually pioneered by this doctor. And the province paid him millions of dollars to come back and work in Manitoba, in Winnipeg, and do this operation. And I had the op- surgeon I wanted. I knew what I was going into. The only thing I was told was Dr. McIntosh, who was the general surgeon I had been dealing with. At the breast health clinic and center she had another appointment that day and so she was not going to be able to do the removal part of the surgery so i was having a surgery where i never went without breasts for even a day they removed them and rebuilt them all at once cool so but they told me that my doctor who was the plastic surgeon was also a general surgeon and so he could do the whole thing now i'm someone who likes to know and plan and know all the details ahead of time and I had Googled for months what I was gonna look like with the scars and everything else. And something that apparently a lot of people didn't realize is that their belly button is often not centered after the surgery. I know that sounds crazy because then we're talking about complete a different area. Um, the surgery I had, they remove all the tissue from your stomach and use that to rebuild the girls with your own tissue and fat. So I don't have implants. Wait, one more time, say it again. They remove all the tissue from your stomach, like all the extra fat and everything from your stomach. Okay. And they use that tissue to create the girls, the new oh, girls. Oh, to like,
0: to like fill out your boobs.
1: So it's your own fat and your own tissue. And when I gain weight and lose weight, they still gain and lose weight just like they did before because it's still my fat and tissue. It's just not breast tissue.
0: That is freaking awesome.
1: It means I don't have implants that I have to deal with down the road or anything else. It means they're going to sag like they're supposed to when they're supposed to, which I actually wanted.
0: Right, you want,
1: like, I, I think I would want that
0: too. You want them to like feel and act like real boobs.
1: But it means they make an incision all the way from one side of your, all the way across the other of your stomach and up to your belly button and around your, I don't know why they have to go around your belly button. I still don't understand that but they do that's where the scar. that's where they cut so when they re-sew you apparently often your belly button shifts a little bit and the number one thing people were complaining about was that they were prepared for everything else they weren't prepared for that
0: okay so you went in like fully prepared for your belly button to be coming out the side of your
1: hip I mean it's like it's like two or three millimeters off like I don't even think I, I don't wear bikinis I don't wear bathing suits, but if I were to wear a bikini, I don't even think you'd notice unless you were actually like looking and what someone pointed out, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a little bit off. Got but it. Like, not much, but just like enough that you like, like usually most people have one breast bigger than the other or smaller than the other. Of course, it's not usually noticeable. Most of the time it's not noticeable to anyone, but you. For some people it is, for some people, there's like a whole size difference.
0: Right, but about 80% of women actually um are dif- have different have differently sized breasts. It's yeah. super, super common.
1: Super, super common. But again, it's not something people notice. Like, and the belly button was another thing. Like, it was just like all those little things I, I was like completely prepared for. I was not prepared for not having the surgeon I thought I was gonna have.
0: Got it. So how did that, like, how, how did you deal with that? How did that affect you? you know, from the Thursday or Friday until the Monday.
1: Honestly, it was actually, I'm really thankful. Sometimes God gives you what you need because I was able to stress and focus on that aspect instead of anything bigger (laughs) or like more serious.
0: That's such a wonderful way of looking at it. I would have been freaking out about the fact that I was having a mastectomy, but instead I was freaking out about the surgeon. I I was
1: freaking out that Dr. McIntosh wasn't the one who was. right And when I got to the when I got to the hospital early in the morning, my dad drove me to the hospital and she walks in and she's like, so my morning my morning um was canceled last minute. So I'm free if you'd still like me to mm. Yes. <laughs> so she did. So I still had her do it in the end.
0: That's fantastic.
1: But I had a weekend of stressing about it, which was actually a gift.
0: Right. Pro- probably better. So you 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 said this a, a little bit before so in your surgery if i understood correctly and and uh, feel free to share as many or as few details about this as you yeah. want but it sa- based on what you described before it sounds like you had the incision go like across your lower abdomen i guess like like across uh, underneath your belly button you said and then they used that all the
1: way from side to side like <laughs> literally from hip to hip
0: okay so like Okay. Okay. So side to side, straight across, and then straight up towards your belly button.
1: And then they cut around your belly button.
0: Okay. And then was that like the entry point to get everywhere they needed to get?
1: No, that was just where they took out the tissue. That was just that was a hole. That was to remove all the fat and everything that they were going to use
0: to to build you back up on top.
1: Build me back up. I I I, then then they then they went up top and cut off.
0: Yeah. They. I mean, they cut off your boobs. That's what a mastectomy is.
1: Um, the way it actually works is, so I actually had two different procedures done on each boob, actually.
0: Um, I didn't know that was an option. Do tell.
1: No, in general, it's not. Um, there's two different surgeries you could have. There's that D-I-E-P flap, I think, and an S-I-E-P flap. I might be getting the words wrong.
0: Whatever. But- there's one with a D and one with an S. Continue.
1: But basically, um, there are the two different ways of the procedure, but break, they, they actually break open your ribs. Okay. You have to crack your ribs to get at the blood vessels because they're reconnecting the fat tissue and everything to the blood supplies of the tissue that was there. Because this is real fat and real tissue, it's not an implant. It needs blood supply and it needs to be able to live, to live and not die. Right. So, and they have to, and apparently I was born with my, with, with, a with, with veins outside of my, like on top of my rib cage on one side. Cool. So they I guess. only had to break my ribs on one side. Bonus. So technically they were two different procedures, but it was the same thing. Like, right. Um, and then that was how I did. So I never had to, I had a double mastectomy, but I never had to be with out breasts for any point of time and I knew that going in and I think that made a big difference also in everything because I didn't have I mean you're I have scars and you ha- I have I had drains I had four drains hanging out of me when the surgery was over two on either side of my hips because of the bottom part of the surgery like basically I right. had two different surgeries. so I also had two hanging out right here. Like like at your
0: upper armpits, basically. Yeah.
1: Those were the most uncomfortable part of the the healing was having the drains hanging out. But I never had to be without breasts. And I think that is something that I have friends who had double mastectomies. And I feel like anybody who had it many years ago also didn't have an option that I had. So I think that made it a lot easier too. A lot (laughs) easier to deal with.
0: Right. I'm curious when like if you're if you're um, electing to, let's say, have implants in, then does that have to be done in a separate surgery?
1: I think so.
0: Oh, OK. I
1: so know, I, I knew from day one I did not want implants when I went for all the different um, appointments and consultations I had the surgery which all happened when I thought it was elective before I was being rushed in Mm -hmm. my dad was with me for all of them also and like they told me that I I look in the mirror and what I see is not reality I think most people don't see themselves the way they really are so I look in the mirror and I see all my fat and all my rolls and all my everything and they're like you actually don't have a lot of fat and we're not going to be able to make you more than like a b cup and I have very large hips. I'm a size 10, 12, I'm five foot three. And I would not look proportionate as a size B. It would just not be proportionate and it would drastically change my body shape. And I was not happy about that. And they're like, you may wanna opt for, I was so dead set against implants. Like in my head, that wasn't even an option. Did not want implants and was like devastated coming out of that with the doctor where I was like, I'm gonna be so. So when I woke up in the hospital, My doctor was like, you're going to be really happy. They used all the skin. They actually used the skin from my breasts as extra filler. And they're like, you're probably between a D and a double D. Nice. So those were the things I was stressed about because I did not want implants. I did not even go down the road of what would happen if I had implants.
0: Why were you so dead set against implants?
1: Part of it, I think it was... of it was i know that if you have implants they have to be changed at certain time like like implants don't last forever i didn't want to have to go through that i didn't want anything else i also felt like that was not my body and that was like a for i don't even know if it's logical but in my head that was and it was and i mean this was all required stuff like even if i had implants that's not like a And there's nothing wrong with having elective plastic surgery, if that's what you choose. But to me, that was like, it was a different thing.
0: It felt like a little bit too vain.
1: Yeah. And not only that, but like, I guess I also had like a thing in my head about like, I didn't want to be a, I don't know. Even now, I'm just like, I don't want to, I have no, there's no logical, like,
0: you can't really pinpoint it, but you just knew that it was something you didn't want to do.
1: It was not something I wanted. And I also wanted that. I wanted to have boobs that sagged when I got older <laughs> that. I mean, I don't want saggy boobs. No one wants saggy. I, boobs. I get what you mean, though. But like I wanted them to be as real as possible. I actually still have not had the tattoos done. I was supposed to get that done in June of 2020.
0: Uh, when so, you say the when you say the tattoos, can you explain to I me what the you pipples. mean?
1: I don't have nipples because I had my breast removed. Right.
0: So do when you 3D have
1: tattoos, they do three right. D tattoos that look really amazing.
0: I've actually this is something, by the way, that um, depending on your internet filter, is is worth googling. Um, because this is something that I actually learned about this. This is a very strange tangent. Over COVID, my husband and I became, a, became really obsessed with this reality show called Ink Master. It's, it's like Project Runway for tattoos. It's really fun and I highly recommend it. Um, and And one of the challenges that they had were these, they're called, I think, medical tattoos, right? Or something to that effect where, you know, if, you know, when you have a mastectomy, they cut off your boobs. And so what they put back in place that like, when you have clothes on looks like you have boobs, but without or not, they're just kind of boob shaped, but they're not boobs. They don't have nipples. So you can have a nipple tattooed on, which is kind of awesome.
1: So I actually had a separate surgery after my surgery. It was just, it was was like, in an. I guess it was day surgery. I was in and I went home two hours later where they actually make a star-shaped incision where the nipple would be and then they like twist the skin and everything else so that when it heals it heals in a little bit of a raise oh that's actually pretty cool so I have a I have like a mark where the nipple like a little bit of a mark where the nipple would be like it's a little bit raised from that because again i wanted to do everything to make them as natural as possible i'm still waiting for the tattoos and i still plan on having that done good for you but
0: that's you know separate but you know that's that that's a totally separate thing the like you you've spoken a lot about the things that the things that you wanted the things that you didn't want the things you know all of that after you had the surgery I presume they then tested whatever those like masses were
1: so they sent them back um they actually found one on my other boob that turned out to be completely um inconclusive what they have no idea what that one was but they said they tested they, they said there was they said that the tissue was malignant but that They tested around it and nothing, there was nothing that had spread or nothing that was anything else. So I didn't need to go through chemo. I didn't need to go through radiation. They didn't even need to remove my lymph nodes because it was so enclosed in all the rest of the fat and tissue that there had been no chance for it to spread. The biggest thing and the reason I'm so vocal about my story and I never have a problem sharing it is... I got super, super lucky with my timing, but when they found the teeny tiny little thing originally, they're like, it's so tiny, it would take years to grow into something. Six weeks later, it had doubled in size, meaning I had a crazy, crazy fast growing problem that I would have never known existed. And I was a 34 G before. By the time they found it, I don't know if it would have been too late, but it would have been a very, very, very different story. Even if my testing had been off by two months, if I'd been tested two months earlier, they wouldn't have been there yet. They wouldn't have found it. And four months later, it could have already been a completely different story. Right. And we know, we know that breast cancer is one of the most treatable. It's one of The best outcomes you have for any kind of cancer is breast cancer, but the reason isn't because it's a super special cancer. It's because it's usually found much earlier than other cancers.
0: Oh, I never thought about it that way. I always thought that it was like a research-based thing.
1: Your best outcome comes from catching it as early as possible. The sooner you catch it, the better the outcome always. Right. You can catch it in stage one before it becomes stage two. Or before it becomes stage three or stage four, it doesn't guarantee anything, but your odds are so much better.
0: Right. So, so you have the surgery. I presume it, I presume it took a hot minute to recover.
1: So, I was terrified about the recovery. I was terrified. And you, I wake up hooked up to morphine with the control so I can use it. And I, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, when you work out at the gym too much and you're, and it's, it's like that kind of, it's like a whole different kind of pain than any other pain. Like that muscle ache mm-hmm. when you like work out too much, when you should like, that's what I, that's how it felt. It wasn't like searing hot pain. It wasn't like anything else. It was like, i worked out at the gym too much. And I was in that kind of pain. And the nurse came to me at one point and said, you don't have to be strong. You can use the more. Of it. I'm like, Trust me, I'm not trying to be. In fact, I'd like to take it home in case I need it down the road. (laughs) But I don't need it now. Now, you have to be completely off caffeine before the surgery and after the surgery because it affects blood flow and it affects heart rates and everything else. And it can cause them not, it can cause the new boobs to not take. Right. So talk to me for a second about what
0: you mean by not taking. This is a fascinating thing in surgery.
1: they've moved the tissue they cut off the tissue and they've basically taken out the battery from your car and they now took it up to a new supply of power right it has to it has to that has to work those connections have to work if those new connections don't work
0: bad things happen
1: bad things happen this if you don't have blood flow to any part of your body it dies you, if you cut off circulation to your wrist, people lose their hands for that reason. This would have been the same thing. I could have lost the girls. Now, I drink Diet Coke morning, noon, and night, 24-7.
0: <laughs> and we pause for a Diet Coke sip. <laughs>
1: yes. Now, I probably would have cheated had they not told me why I couldn't drink a Diet Coke But... I drink like a liter and a half of Diet Coke a day, which is horrible for you. I know, I don't need to be told that.
0: This is a judgment-free zone, it's okay.
1: But, so I was getting headaches from the lack of caffeine. So So I had like the worst headache in the world and they don't, you're not lying flat on the hospital bed when you're having the surgery. You're actually have your legs raised and your back raised. So you're kind of in like a V shape. So okay. when you first wake up from the surgery, you can't lie down in bed completely straight because it can tear the stitches out because they stitched you up. Right. At, while you were in that like V shape. So I'm not sleeping properly because I'm in a super awkward, uncomfortable position to sleep and I haven't had caffeine and I have like the worst headache the whole time I'm there. And I asked the doctor for Tylenol. They bring me T3s. I'm like, I just have a headache. I just need, to, like, I'm not being strong. I was terrified going into the surgery because I had I had a boss who had just had the surgery two years earlier. And she said, no, I wasn't in pain after the surgery. It wasn't bad. It was the adjustment surgery after the fact that was really painful. But she's like, the surgery itself wasn't. And I was panicked because how bad could the surgery be that she's lying to me about it? Because of course oh, it
0: was yeah.
1: So I was panicked going in that it was so bad. She was lying to me about it. And then when I found out she was telling the truth, I was so panicked going into the revision surgery that she wasn't lying. <laughs> and she, right. but the revision surgery also, thank God was not so bad. But I was thankfully not in pain after the surgery, other than like, AK. I was off work for three months. I probably could have gone back to work a week later if it wasn't for Getting to work and everything else. Any movement that caused the girls to bounce at all hurt. Well, yeah.
0: They were adjusting to life.
1: So in a car, you don't notice how much a car moves. The car ride home hurt. Right. Anything that was like that hurt. Walking downstairs sometimes.
0: Right. Hurt were a you little. allowed to wear a bra at this point? Like could Get you just wear a
1: surgical bra. Oh,
0: okay. You had to
1: wear a surgical bra, which was like a wireless, like It was almost like a really tight sports bra. And that's what I wore probably for the first year. Okay. Um, And I remember in my head, now I was a 34G. So I always had to go to a specialty bra store and everything else. When I came out of the surgery, when I first went to buy bras, I was like a 34D, which is a normal size. Right. So I, in my head, I have an image. People just skip into bra stores and are like, I'm a size. 36. here's your bra. Great. And walk out. I was bawling my eyes out in the fitting room because they still didn't fit. And I mean, I've tried on normal clothing before things don't fit everyone perfectly, but in my head, that was what I was yes. expecting. And I was like bawling in the fitting room because the bra still didn't fit.
0: Yeah. Like here you are with your new, like great like brand spanking new boobs that you've always wanted and you still can't just like nobody walks out of a bra store by the way with like nobody feels amazing after they go bra shopping it's just not a thing
1: in my head pre-surgery normal people went in grabbed their size and skipped out of Victoria's Secrets happy as can be
0: no sorry I'm I'm sorry it's I
1: I I learned
0: I should have told you earlier it was my bad that was that I apologize from all small boobed people that we didn't let you know that earlier so no. when you, when you say that, like, I'm curious, like one more technical medical question, just because I'm endlessly curious The when you say that, like, it hurt when your boobs moved, was that like, cause the stitches were pulling or just like, cause they were just new and like all the interconnections and stuff. I'm
1: sure it was a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it was a little bit of everything. But that's when I felt the scars, felt everything. The other thing that was super, that that actually was uncomfortable going out of the surgery was the drains. Because the drains pulled at your skin and the drains, when you have major surgery, fluid builds up and the fluid needs to leave. Otherwise it can get infected and all sorts of other things. So you have to like empty the drains every day and you're not allowed to remove the drains until there's less than a certain amount of liquid that comes out of them for a certain amount of time.
0: This sounds disgusting.
1: And it's, it's, it's just like bloody pot, like whatever. It's just like a plastic ball and you dump it out. But I'll be honest, I might've fudged a little bit and like exaggerated how little was coming out to get them out sooner than they should have, which is not smart and you should not do. Because again, if, the, if it drains inside of you, it can be bad. But I just needed them out.
0: I hear you. I, I that
1: was that was the most uncomfortable part of it was the drains and the sleeping was not such a thing. But I think I'd been home for like two days when I walked two blocks to visit my grandmother because my grandmother was in a wheelchair and couldn't easily go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm the I am the person who isn't like I can't sit still and not do anything, and I can't lie in bed for like it doesn't.
0: It didn't work. So you had like the drains and the surgical bra and the whole deal. And you walked to your grandmother's house and-
1: Big, a a, a big oversized hoodie. And it's good. Regular
0: stroll. Yeah. Since then, you know, did, did your opinion about the surgery change once you found out that there had been cancerous lumps in there?
1: I am so thankful for the way everything turned out every step of the way. I am so glad that I had scheduled the surgery before it became whatever else, because I'd been, I'd already just, I decided on my own terms that I was having the surgery. I was not forced to have it because of, the truth is people find a mask, you don't have to have your, you don't have to have both your breasts removed just because they found a mask. Even if you have breast cancer, you don't have to have both your, you could just have the lump removed. Right. I mean- I really, really think that people need to listen to their doctors about what's the safest and down the road because recurrences happen and I wanted the breast tissue gone. Now they can't get a hundred percent of the breast cancer tissue. So technically I could st- still get breath. I still have the odd.
0: You You still have some breast tissue left inside you. You can't
1: get a hundred percent of it. Right. But my odds of it are a fraction of what a man's is. Men also have breast tissue. And men also have a chance of getting breast cancer. They have way less tissue. And so it's way less common. Mine is now even less. I never have to get a mammogram again. I never have to test again. Because I really don't have to. There's
0: nothing for them to test.
1: I basically don't have. I mean, I do technically still have the odd breast tissue in there but for the most part i don't have breast tissue anymore i can't get breast cancer i made the decision on my terms made the decision not because i had to not because i had a mass and i had to decide in a moment of emotional panic i made the decision to do what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it It was i had a year and a half to like prepare and everything else and I was Googling picture, my, my search history I, for the three months after I made the decision was interesting to say the least. And probably if you had filters on your computer, would not be able to replicate mine. But I had all that preparation time. Then when it became surprise, you're having it on Monday, I'd already made the decision. Nothing was changing other than it was being sped up and fast forwarded. Then I couldn't have the doctor that I originally planned, and I could and I got to focus and stress on that instead of anything more important. My aunt was an, anesthesiolo- is an anesthesiologist, and I found out who the anesthesiologist was going to be. She, she gave me the all clear on that. She 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 said that that was great. I walked into the appointment. I don't know if I should say. I don't know if I, should, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I walked in and they the anesthesiologist meets with you the morning of the surgery, unless you're high risk, then they meet with you ahead of time and whatever else. But I went in and he's like, do you have any questions for me? And I'm like, nope. And he was like, what? Everyone has a thousand questions for me. Right. I'm like, I have one question about an anesthesiologist. I got my answer. I'm good. He said, what's, I, I'm like, does so-and-so approve of you? Winnipeg only has like five anesthesiologists that do like all the hospitals, so they they all know each other very very well. Why does her opinion matter? She's my dad's little sister. Mm-hmm. So he kept leaving the surgery to update. He kept calling my aunt through the surgery to update my aunt.
0: Oh, I don't nice. know if that's
1: kosher or not. Like I don't know how legal that
0: is. That's okay. Nobody important listens. It's okay. But
1: <laughs> so my aunt could keep my dad updated through the whole surgery. Nice. That turned out to be a really big blessing in itself, but I got to focus on things that weren't the important things because mm-hmm. I'd already made the decision. So if I could go back, there's nothing I would do differently.
0: Does Does this affect your life now, aside from the fact that you just have your new boobs?
1: I got yelled at by a shadlin for being honest about it and on a date.
0: Of course you did.
1: <laughs> i gone out on like three dates with a guy and something had come up about medical histories or whatever else. And I'm like, so like 10 years ago that night, I get a phone call yelling and screaming at me from the shot. Of him. Which by the way is terrifying because if she wants me to keep that a secret, that's a pretty major thing to keep a secret.
0: Right, like what is she telling him not to tell you?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that was really terrible. But no, in my day-to-day life, really- the only thing it affects is I look in the mirror and I can see the scars. Um, and I am currently single. So I have to, so in my head, there's always, I've had discussions with people about it. Is it better to be in a relationship when you have to be like married when you have this or to be single? Cause if you're married, you have to worry about what your husband's going to think. And is your husband going to look at you differently or you like, what is he going to look at you differently? Is it going to change something, or do you have to think about what's the what's a guy going to think when he's right. so? There's you can look at it any way you want, right? But that still crosses my mind sometimes, is because I don't know who I'm going to end up with,
0: right? Yeah, no, I, I hear that. That's definitely something that's it's. I mean, valid is the understatement of the century there. But I also, I yeah, go.
1: And I was gonna say, I also don't know that I'll be able to breastfeed if I have kids.
0: Well, I would kind of assume that you wouldn't be able to, right?
1: I would assume that too. Apparently there is the odd person who is able to. I don't understand that.
0: Cool. Formula mom telling you that it's totally fine if you can't. You'll be okay. That's I don't all. have
1: to stress about how hard it's gonna be, how everything, like, Right. No. One less pressure off the...
0: Yeah, just one, just one less thing to think about. This I, I think can
1: take just as many to have just as many turns at night as mama.
0: By the way, I'm so glad that you said that because that was definitely, I had a lot of reasons for choosing to, this is totally unrelated, but I'll say it anyways, because I feel like this doesn't get enough airtime in general. Um, I decided right off the bat that I was not going to even attempt breastfeeding. And I'm so glad that I made that decision. And that was one of definitely one of the top three reasons Why? was like why it just didn't make any sense to me I was like why would I create a situation where I am the only one who can do a 2 a.m feed that makes no sense to me
1: I love that you I I love that you're saying this out loud because I think it's something that's so stigmatized and a friend of mine was like had just had just had a baby and one mother-in-law was like you have to breastfeed it's the the other one was like you should not I'm like, I have the very strong opinion too. I have a very, very strong opinion that you should do what is best for you and to hell with everybody else.
0: Yeah. Uh, amen. Amen. That is the best note for us to end on. I cannot thank you enough for being, for, for coming on and being so open about this entire experience that I know is such a, a deeply, deeply personal one.
1: And um, if anybody's going through it or anybody has any other questions or anything, they can always send me a. DM or message I'm always happy to answer any questions people have
0: can you let everyone know what your Instagram name is so they know where to find you
1: um so Shana loves food I also have another one that's Polish jinx um it hasn't been updated in about a year and a half to since right before COVID but please god I should get back to that in the next six months to here that is my goal for next year
0: And I am going to link both of those in the show notes. Uh, Shayna, what does it mean to you to make an impact?
1: Everybody's, everybody always has an impact, period, whether you want to or not. So I think it's the intentional impact. Be the reason someone else smiles for the day instead of something else.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Shayna. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Shayna, her information is in the show notes. On last episode, I spoke with Natalie Herschel about her surprise BRCA diagnosis for the first part of this series. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this episode. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 17 people listed by Ora Agunote as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org/slash recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nisa Fettman episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowicz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impactfashionmyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.